Good afternoon. It's Monday, the 7th of September 2020, just after one o'clock. Welcome to UK Column News. Your host today, Mike Robinson, myself, Brian Gerrish, and we're delighted to be joined by David Scott. David, of course, bringing us northern exposure from north of the border. Can we say we're delighted to still be broadcasting despite the best efforts of 77 Brigade, oh. who is uh, tasked to disrupt anybody who dares to disagree with the British government? Uh, absolutely. Now, we're just going to get straight on with uh, the World Integrated Trade Solutions website, because I think this is probably the thing which has uh, caused the most number of emails that I think we've ever received on a single subject. So let's bring this up. Uh, this is the uh, World Integrated Trade Solution website. It's a World Bank website, uh, and it's supposed to give access to information about uh, merchandise trade, tariffs, non-tariff measures, uh, all kinds of data. So it's, it's a database-driven website. Um, and, uh, well, as you can see here, let's just zoom in a little bit on this. Uh, lots of people very surprised to find uh, that if you look at the data on this, uh, it mentions COVID-19 test kits. Uh, but this is 2017, and so people are a bit confused or have been a bit confused about what's going on. So I thought we would just briefly uh, explain this a little bit. Um, so this was the situation, what you're seeing on screen was the situation on Friday, Saturday, and yesterday up until sometime around 11 p.m. or midnight. Uh, today, the website looks a little bit different uh, because if we zoom in on it today, we find that COVID-19 test kits have been replaced with the term medical test kits. Um, but so the, the question is, what is going on here? And uh, well, we've got to look at this, the product code uh, 300215. Um, and, uh, and also look at this piece of text from the top of the page, because it says here, the data here track previously existing medical devices that are now classified by the World Customs Organization as critical to tackling COVID-19. So if we look at the uh, World Customs Organization uh, document on this, uh, prepared jointly with the World Health Organization, HS classification reference for COVID-19 medical supplies, second edition. This replaces so replaces the previous edition of the list. Uh, and that is the key point here. Um, so looking at the data itself, if we look at uh, uh, 300215, uh, these are now classed as COVID-19 test kits, diagnostic reagents based on immunological reactions. Um, so going back to this uh, this database then what we're looking at is a view on a database on some data uh, and the product code is key because what you're looking at there is is a, a, a view of a table behind this table uh, a table of product codes and what they've done is they've changed the product description for that product code and that has uh, with perhaps unintended or maybe intended consequences that has changed the description on every instance of that product code going back for several years so actually it on one level, there's nothing going on here because uh, uh, it's merely a, an administrative error, which they've now corrected. But on another level, it does give us a clue uh, because, uh, of course, uh, what it shows is that without thinking about it, they've renamed an item, a line item because everybody's focus is on COVID-19. COVID-19, COVID-19 to the detriment of everything else. And let's just remind everybody about the excess mortality during the lockdown lockdown uh, period in the UK caused by not COVID-19, by the fact that the, but by the fact that the NHS had completely reoriented its uh, way of doing business purely towards COVID-19 to the detriment of everything else. So the lockdown period began at that point. Uh, we're labeling those lockdown deaths. Uh, and uh, Brian and David, that seems pretty clear to me that this isn't just a UK issue. It's certainly a Western issue, a complete refocusing on the COVID-19 with pretty detrimental consequences for just about everybody. Uh, but uh, this particular database isn't quite what people thought it was. No, but we, we can we can see that there is a collaboration in, in compiling the news and the and the main drift of the news. So if we want to focus on the war in Syria or a war in Iraq, we do that. Here we want the public focus to be on COVID. And so it appears uniform across the uh, global media system. You know, some interesting questions to be asked. Yes, briefly, David, uh, did that did I explain that? Okay, did, you, did, did, uh, did that come across? Yeah, that was ideal. Thanks so much for explaining that because it, it did seem odd. 
Um, and the kind of recla reclassification of things to do with COVID is also part of the, 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 the generation of the fear, the generation of the concentration in the public mind of how deadly this is, which is not evidence-based. It's not based on any sort of uh, rational scientific analysis. And it is based to some extent on taking things which were already there in the background and simply sh shining a spotlight on them so that they become much more starkly revealed and much more frightening for the public. Uh, absolutely. Uh, now let's just uh, move on to what's been going on in the UK. Uh, and uh, over the weekend, uh, Piers Corbyn, well, this is going back to the previous weekend, David Piers Corbyn fined £10,000 for organising anti-lockdown rally. And uh, I think the point we made last Monday was that, that this seemed a bit uh, single-minded here. Other people were involved in the organisation of this so-called anti-lockdown rally, uh, but they didn't receive £10,000 fines. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm, the point I'm making here is what a difference a week makes. A week ago, we thought a £10,000 fine uh, for Piers Corbyn was singling him out and was, was kind of a, a indefensible and was a very strange and, and uh, worrying development. What a difference a week makes. Uh, we've gone way beyond fining people now. So this is uh, from, I think, Sh uh, Sheffield. Um, and here they manhandle 73-year-old Piers Corbyn, a real danger to society with his peaceful protesting and putting forward scientific points of view that do not fit the official narrative. They're manhandling him and arresting him. And uh, I think we've got some video to see uh, a wee bit more of how this was handled by the police. And this is Saturday, just to uh, interject that this uh, past Saturday in Sheffield. Uh, so, so, well, the first little clip here uh, seems to show uh, that things began quite calmly. Brian. So that it seemed to be quite calm at the beginning. Yeah, I think there are sort of three three main phases in in this this event. It started very calmly, and of course it should do because it was a peaceful protest uh, about lockdown. Um, the police then started to get very agitated and I'm going to say aggressive because clearly they wanted to arrest Piers, Piers Corbyn and the crowd moved around him to defend him so that upped the angst and we see a very uh, a very more aggressive stance in the police mm -hmm. and then later on somebody's unwell well, well, and they change again so let's, let's see let's, the second phase yes So, I mean, I think the first thing to be noticed there, Brian, of course, is what this is a man in his 70s. He's not being treated uh, very gently. Well, not at all. He's a 73 year old scientist. And quite clearly, the British government is terrified of this man and his knowledge and his opinions. He's, he's challenging them on climate change. He's challenging them on uh, the pandemic of COVID. So he becomes an extremely dangerous person. And it's clear the people have been told to arrest him at all costs because they don't really care what they do. Uh, and then, as you say, uh, the third stage of this, unfortunately, involved a medical incident. So let's just briefly have a look at that. Shame on you! 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 
man down here, help him, officers. Officers, are you not helping? Officers, there's a man down here, you're going to help him. Officers, what are you doing? Uh, so that was a gentleman called Rob, if I'm correct on that. And, yes. And uh, he, he had a, some kind of medical incident. Now, later on in the video, uh, for about 10 minutes, the police are giving CPR. And uh, we understand Rob's well, According recovering. to the comments underneath earlier this morning, Rob had recovered. That's what we're told. So that's what we're going to report. But he was clearly uh, extremely unwell. Um, was unconscious on the pavement. The police were doing their best. They weren't giving him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, but they were attempting to resuscitate him. And it was very interesting to watch at that point, the police had absolutely calmed down. And you could see that the police were now becoming very nervous because there'd been that fracas, which I would say the police created, and then somebody's on the ground. Mm. Uh, so, uh, David, just before we uh, look at uh, Pierce Corbyn's statement following this, just uh, some brief thoughts. Uh, firstly, it's, I mean, we are, we're seeing crowds of peaceful protesters shout the word Nazi at violent police officers who are trying to arrest um, uh, a peaceful protester. This is uh, new in Britain. Um, the decision of the police here to uh, approach this with a huge mob of, of police officers pushing and shoving is a shambles. Do they not know where Piers Corbyn lives? If they want to arrest him, could they not go around the next day with a warrant? Apparently not. Uh, the, doing, doing the arrest that way was obviously for another reason. It was to make a point. It was to make a point that we are going to come down hard on anyone who, who uh, objects to the official government line. Um, and I'm, finally, I would say that the CPR, I was chip trained in CPR many years ago. The CPR without mouth to mouth is ridiculous. It's, uh, it, 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 the COVID is the, ex, is the excuse. They're claiming it's, COVID makes it unsafe. You've got someone who is potentially dying in front of you. You should use the, your best endeavors to save them. This fakery over fears about, vi about a virus that's got no, uh, no, the, that poses no threat to a healthy individual in, in any case, virtually no threat, um, is uh, ridiculous. This is, um, we're now abandoning, abandoning CPR uh, methods at work. We're abandoning medical procedures at work, all to uh, fall in, in, in front of this uh, fear of, uh, of COVID. Absolutely. Okay, well, this is what uh, Piers Corbyn uh, had to report. This came out in an email uh, I think it was late last night. Let's read what he had to say. He said, I was locked up by South Yorkshire police for 24 hours, charged with not wearing a face mask in Marks and Spencer and participating in a legal gathering and organising the gathering contrary to the coronavirus regulations. He said the arrest, this arrest was arbitrary and unlawful and did not, and they did not even follow the regulations themselves. These specify that an arrest can only be effected if the conditions in S24 Pace 1984 apply, which they did not. The police then tried to justify the arrest by saying it had been done to, quote, prevent me causing physical injury to myself or any other person, Pace Code G 2.9 CI. Uh, Piers says a load of nonsense. I've been bailed on condition not to attend any illegal protests more than 30 people anywhere in the UK. <coughs> Excuse me. I will challenge that condition as it allows the police to arrest me pretty much on site at any protest on reasonable suspicion that I am in breach of my bail conditions. This is a clear attempt to silence me. Who gave the order for my recent arrest? PM Boris Johnson said on the 7th of June 2020 that there was a right to peace, uh, protest peacefully. So pretty um, direct uh, response from Piers Corbyn. Just have a look at uh, what Peter Hitchens said in the Daily Mail. And I think Peter Hitchens is, is absolutely seeing the picture. He says, protest against our new state of fear is banned by order of a dead parrot parliament. And he calls it a dead parrot parliament because he says, quite clearly there is no more meaningful debate in Westminster. Mm. But uh, just before I hand uh, back to you, Mike, um, 
this caught my eye during that video and of course here we've got the police fully masked up this is when they're in their more nervous phase because you can see the man on the ground behind them but they are all wearing face masks well not quite because the senior officer with them who took the trouble to try and speak to the crowd realized he couldn't do that successfully with a face mask so on the spot the face mask was removed uh, talking about this gentleman here uh, but the other thing I noticed, and I find this deeply offensive, that if these police were being called fascists, of course, they're now wearing the black badge. So this is an adulteration of the national flag. It's been put into black. It seems to fit uh, the agenda of the police at the moment. And David, I think you've got more on the police, albeit in other nations. Yeah, so David... Uh... Peter Hitchens, well, this is quite a hard-hitting tweet from Peter Hitchens. He's uh, uh, pushing out this image. Uh, Anti-lockdown protests erupt in Australia just as cases start to, well, cases are starting to decline there, but that's quite an image that he's pushed out. It, it is indeed. He said, this is why I call them muzzles. And it's a bizarre sight. We have this um, tattooed um, female police officer. They've just arrested this young young woman for protesting the masking policy. And the first thing they do, as an emergency measure, the first thing they do is force a mask onto her face, um, as though a few seconds unmasked presents some sort of risk. It is bizarre, bizarre behaviour from the police, and it's not isolated. Here we see another case where a man has been arrested and the first thing, they haven't even finished arresting him. They're still struggling with him. And the first thing they do is try to put a mask across his mouth and nostrils. This is this is the strangest of behavior from the police. It's, it's clear that the masking represents something completely uh, unrelated to any health concern. It's something to do with submission. Um, now we've got here a, a, a still from a video uh, by a, a very good website called Police Abusing Powers. They, they covered uh, an, a, a wrongful arrest of a man out shopping with his family. Um, he wasn't wearing a mask, he's medically exempt. Uh, the store got quite shirty with him, asked him to leave. He left and outside the police were there and the police handcuffed him. He was he was not doing anything. He was, he was remarkably calm. He stayed very calm during the whole the whole seen otherwise it would have escalated badly i suspect and at the end the police said well we'll just chop this one down to experience no i don't think that's going to be enough because the police wrongfully arrested him this is utterly it's, un, it's unlawful the police are now behaving in an unlawful manner and uh, we're not just going to chop that down to experience we are going to have to fight this we're going to have to resist it um, uh, well, now last week's uh, protests, uh, weekend before last um, in London, of course, were heavily, pretty heavily policed. But of course, there's a Black Lives Matter protest going on, to, on at the same time. Uh, David, now we have a little bit of video here. Just, uh, just introduce this for us. Yes, now I've tried hard to find out who the young lady is. I'm afraid I don't know if she's watching or anyone who's, who knows who she is is watching. Please drop us a line. Maybe she's got a, a channel. There might be more content that we can we can promote. Uh, she sees some police officers. She decides to ask a very good question. Big demonstration down there, and I'm pretty sure that large gatherings are banned because of the COVID restrictions. Are the organisers of that event down there going to be fined £10,000 like Piers Corbyn was in London, seeing as if that's another illegal gathering? Why are their gatherings allowed but anti-mask protesters aren't? Any answers? Doesn't appear so. What, what, what's with the differentiation and the disparity in implementation of the law depending on your political beliefs? Why is that? Our decision was made at our level. Fair enough. It's not a decision that is made at their level to implement the law in an unfair and biased manner depending on your political leaning. So you see there the, the, the cognitive dissonance, the, the awkwardness of the police when asked that question, because they quite clearly realise that they're no longer upholding the law. They're doing something else. They are following orders. And the orders are coming from a politicised um, top of the policing service in Britain that is no longer fit for purpose, no longer obeys the law, and certainly no longer serves the British people. Um, which then brings us on to uh, to this. 
Oh yes, this this piece of propaganda. I could hardly believe my eyes when I saw this. This is from number ten. This is from our prime minister. This is from our allegedly conservative prime minister. Is is retweeting about face coverings and the the HM government slogan here is on means on this, the the way you would speak to a child who is about three, if if they were being naughty that's how they're now speaking to us now I would point out to the, the British government that no means no and we do not consent but um, yeah a remarkable uh, piece of um, uh, propaganda uh, they're trying to get people to shout that. At, at their friends and neighbours who, who refuse to wear a mask. I think they are. Um, absolutely. But let's uh, show another piece of propaganda, which is doing the round of rounds of Bolton. Thanks very much to James for this. Uh, coronavirus alert. This is a high risk area. Bolton is a high risk area. So you've got to wash hands, cover face, make space. Um, so this is the new uh, slogan, although the, the uh, second slogan is still at the bottom of this. The new one seems to be wash hands, cover face, make space, so um, high it's, risk. It's the mantra, this is all reframing, this is applied psychology to get people to believe in something by a repetitive um, linguistic mantra. Um, it applied psychology straight out of the behavioural insights team. Now the question is, are the police following their own uh, uh, guidelines or following their own imposition of, of the government guidelines here? Uh, and perhaps the answer is no. Uh, so Gesa Frackman, who's a, a long-time campaigner, uh, has pushed out a video clip that's doing the rounds of social media at the minute uh, because he happened to bump into uh, the uh, chief, chief constable of uh, the Metropolitan Police. Uh, and let's have a look at uh, what happened there. Hello, Cressida. How you doing? My name's Gesa Frackman, and I'd like to ask you a question why you would make a, a comment that borders on hate crime about embarrassing people that aren't wearing masks. I've noticed you're not wearing a mask. Cressy the Dick, would you like to speak? Or do you just do it in the press? I think the public deserve an apology at least, or you're sacking. It's a disgrace. There are disabled people in this country, 5.4 million people in this country that suffer from asthma. I am one of those people. And you're happy to say to people, to embarrass people that are not wearing masks. You're a disgrace, you should be... Uh, so David, Cressida Dick uh, clearly not wanting to uh, offer any kind of statement. Isn't it amazing how uh, when, when faced with a member of the public who is not cowed and wishes to ask a question, there is that Cressida Dick has nothing to say, and of course she's a common purpose. And a quick, a quick thank you to Vernon Coleman, who's got a new website and on a new channel uh, to continue his uh, old men in the chair comments. Who said that common purpose had gone through every organisation in the world like Japanese knotweed? I thought that was a wonderful metaphor. A bit unkind on the knotweed, though I'd say, David, but he's absolutely accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about exemptions? Well, this is uh, also doing the rounds, and it says I am exempt from wearing a face covering. I insist uh, that I, sorry, to insist that I disclose why is a breach of Section 295 of the Equality Act 2010. To deny me entry and/or service is a breach of Section 13.1 of the Equality Act 2010. People might find that little badge helpful. Uh, absolutely, uh, but uh, it goes on because uh, here's the Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights, Article 6, Consent. Uh, any preventative, uh, any preventive diagnostic and therapeutical medical intervention is only to be carried out with the prior free and informed consent of the person concerned based on adequate information. The consent should, where appropriate, be expressed and may be withdrawn by the person concerned at any time and for any reason without disadvantage or prejudice. Yes, and I think that rather sums it up. Uh, well, it absolutely does, uh, which brings us to uh, jchristoff.com. Yes, I thought this was an excellent summary of where we are on masking. Uh, there's a man here uh, wearing a mask, standing against a wall, and the text reads, the quicker I give away, I give my rights away, the quicker I will get them all back, said the person who never read one history book in their entire life. This is a good point. Uh, absolutely. Now, if, uh, if things have been uh, a bit rough in London uh, the pre previous weekend and in Sheffield this past weekend, uh, well, apparently in Scotland, you're much more civilised with respect to protest. 
well, we are just now, we'll see how this goes. Uh, there was a there was a protest march and gathering in uh, Holyrood Park next to the Parliament on Saturday. Uh, so the BBC said about 400 people turned up. I estimate from the photographs I've seen about 2,000, uh, which is quite accurate for the BBC, actually. Uh, and it was, I've had lots of reports from it from uh, people who attended. They said it was a very happy event, a lovely, positive atmosphere, excellent speakers, including Professor Cahill from Ireland. And you see her here with some of the uh, some of the supporters who turned up to hear what she had to say and you can see they're having a whale of a time so I would point out to all the fake news journalists and uh, police around about that uh, this is not something you, you need to intervene these are people meeting um, enjoying one another's company listening to some ideas it's called freedom please leave them alone uh, absolutely. Uh, now, David, uh, let's have a wee look at economy for just one second, and particularly housing. Uh, and I'm really glad to see that the Daily Mail has caught up with us uh, and explain what, that in a second. But uh, this is their headline today. Britain's post-lockdown property boom. UK house prices hit record high with average home now worth more than £245,000 for the first time, up 5.2% from the same month last year. Uh, and the Halifax said average house prices uh, are up. Uh, month on month, but a downward pressure is expected in the medium term uh, with household incomes under pressure. Uh, the report, according to the mail here, is saying that it's highly unlikely this growth would be sustained. But of course, if anybody wanted to know uh, that this was going on, then one place that they might have found it uh, was on our podcast series, Deconstructing the Magic Money Tree. Now, I'm not, I can't remember exactly which episode it was that we did cover this. Um, so people will just have to listen to the lot. Uh, but uh, it was a few weeks ago, well before the summer break, David. So uh, I'm glad to see the mail catching up at last. Well, the mainstream media do get there eventually if you give them long enough and it's obvious enough. Um, and this is uh, partly generated by the easy money policy of the Bank of England, partly by uh, tax breaks. So we're basically seeing the government and the banks um, collaborate to form a giant housing bubble because that will fix things. Uh, well, it will. Uh, but I mean, the, the question that we asked during the programme was, is it really a sensible time to be uh, uh, taking, grabbing hold of this free money at this point? Well, this is a very good question, because uh, planning your future now, de now depends on how well you can predict the political decisions that the government and the banks are going to make, not on anything real. Uh, everyone's in the same boat, and good luck with making that call. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Well, look. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, if you like what the UK column does, and you would like to support us, then please head over to ukcolumn.org forward slash community. Uh, there are options to help us out there, and your help much appreciated. Uh, and David, uh, another plug for the Northern Exposure YouTube channel quickly. Yes, we have a, a second uh, in interview up here. This is uh, with uh, Captain Dan Hanley, a nine eleven pilot whistleblower. And he's talking all about uh, matters relating to 9-11 attacks um, and the aircraft and aeronautical issues and piloting issues that have led him to uh, conclude that the official narrative is completely unsustainable. Absolutely. And uh, a brief reminder that uh, AV 11.1 has been announced. That's going to take place on Sunday, the 1st of November, uh, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. That's going to be a virtual event. Uh, so we'll be helping uh, the AV team to run that once again. Yes. Uh, and um, hopefully that will be, well, we know that that will be just as uh, successful as the main AV event was. Indeed. Today. And we'll give details as speakers as soon as, uh, as, soon as those are fixed. Now, uh, let's uh, come on to this. This is Peter Foster, who is uh, public policy editor at the Financial Times and was tweeting this out yesterday. New UK planning legislation to override key parts of Brexit withdrawal treaty and Northern Ireland protocol. A potentially huge move in negotiations, major ructions in Whitehall, my latest via FT. So here is the article uh, that he posted. Uh, UK plan to undermine withdrawal treaty puts Brexit talks at risk. So let's briefly run through what he was saying here. Uh, per three sources, he said in this Twitter thread, with knowledge of plans, uh, the UK internal market bill due on Wednesday uh, and this autumn's finance bill will contain clauses that eliminate the legal force of parts of the withdrawal agreement. The EU are unlikely to like this, uh, which I guess is the point. He goes on to say, given Michel Barnier's insistence on the precise implementation of the withdrawal agreement, the decision to legislate in a way that dilutes those obligations on state aid, export summary declarations and tariffs is not likely to go down well with the EU. 
He said a person familiar with the plans said they would clearly and consciously undermine the agreement on Northern Ireland that Boris Johnson signed last October, but which in the light of the diamond hard Brexit he's negotiating now looks very difficult. Is it a diamond hard Brexit? We'll come on to that in a second. Uh, a second person familiar with the plan said they were a blunt instrument that would directly set up UK law in opposition with obligation, obligations under the withdrawal agreement and in full cognizance that this will breach international law. Well, it won't just breach international law because until the end of the uh, uh, transition period, at least, uh, until we find out what uh, the future relationship is going to look like, of course, it's also UK law because the full body of EU law went onto the UK statute books uh, under that uh, uh, previous legislation uh, with respect to Brexit. It goes on to say a lot of Whitehall is deeply uncomfortable with this approach. Foreign Office not sure how it can criticise China for not meeting international obligation if UK is paring back obligations of a treaty it signed in less than a year ago uh, or help international trade sign, uh, department sign deals. Uh, Brexiters uh, who've been calling on Boris Johnson to ditch the withdrawal agreement will like this move and in a no-deal scenario where the UK seeks untrammeled sovereignty, it has powerful logic. Uh, so no-deal scenario, we've been suggesting that that term is going to come back into the media and there it is. Uh, the problem is that Boris Johnson promised to remove the UK from the EU whole and entire, but it has become clear that his Northern Irish front stop does not do that to the satisfaction of Brexiters. Um, I'm going to question this somewhat because, of course, it isn't possible for Boris to remove the UK from the, UK, from the EU whole and entire uh, while the defence issue is the elephant in the room. And, of course, he sits silent on this. He refuses to comment on it. And, of course, the other issue is the Northern Irish front stop, as it seems to be being called now, uh, because while there is an open border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, and while the Northern Ireland remains part of the United Kingdom, then there is no useful solution uh, to, uh, to this, to this, the customs uh, arrangements, and there's no way for the UK to completely divorce itself from the EU under those circumstances. Uh, and uh, Peter Foster goes on to say, the plan, which I understand has been backed personally by David Frost, would clearly and consciously undermine the protocol. This is the protocol on the Northern Irish border, which both sides were working hard to implement. The more divided, uh, the, sorry, the move divided Whitehall at the highest levels. So if we really are heading for no deal, a free hand on state aid and sovereignty is the priority above all else, then it's hard to see how this government could live with the protocol as it stands. And finally, he said, is this a gambit? I think he's getting closer to the truth with this tweet. Is this a gambit, a move to try to force the EU to rewrite the protocol, or if not, have a hands-free, no deal, all the same? Uh, I've been doing this long enough, think back to October 29, not to make foolhardy predictions. We'll have to see. Well, David Frost, uh, of course, has said uh, the EU should take our position seriously. Uh, the UK will not blink first. So, David, uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, because is this simply uh, Britain putting a, a hard position in place with a view to trying to bully the EU into a particular direction on a particular issue? Or is Boris real about actually a proper no-deal Brexit? It seems almost um, schizophrenic because on the one hand, we're, we're not saying anything about EU military union um, and we're completely giving in to international policies to do with COVID and shutting the economy down. So it's complete surrender. And on the other hand, there is, it would appear, quite a lot of evidence that he's actually playing hardball with the Europeans. I'm, I've been trying to make sense of this policy. I have not been getting very far. Are we, are we looking to establish our sovereignty? Or are we looking to surrender it? Because we seem to be doing both at the same time right now. Um, isn't that uh, the way politics is going in general at the moment? Well, politics is failing uh, on an international level at the moment. And maybe it's just another example of that. Maybe they're no longer coherent. Uh, well, indeed, that may be the case. Uh, but now, I uh, just wanted to give one piece of clarification from uh, from Friday's programme. Was it Friday's programme? Yes, with David uh, Ellis. Uh, we were talking about the negotiating groups for the uh, future relationship. And this this is them. It's everything from trade and goods to fisheries to law enforcement. Uh, so-called thematic 
uh, cooperation. Uh, and then we were making a bit of a joke about horizontal arrangements and governance. And I just wanted to make it clear what that was because a couple of people did uh, contact me to ask. Well, horizontal arrangements, uh, this is the term that the European Commission uses uh, for aviation agreements between member states and to make sure that there's parity on, on, on aviation between member states. Uh, you can guess why they want to call it horizontal arrangements. Uh, perhaps they're making some comment about the direction that aircraft should be flying in. Up and down isn't really something that aircraft should be doing. But Mike, one of the things I've noticed is that ever since we got involved in the European Union, our spoken and written English changed a whole raft of words and phrases expressions came in which were basically meaningless but they've been given new definitions by the European Union so for aviation to become horizontal I think the average uh, builder is going to have to pay attention. Well there's the document if you want to find it it's European Commission document mobility and transport uh, external aviation policy horizontal agreements and uh, that gives your full definition there if you if you want to see it. Now, uh, David, that brings us on to what happened uh, in Kent uh, over the weekend because uh, anti-lockdown protests weren't the only protests going on. Yes, there was, there was some people out uh, protesting against the, the continued um, illegal immigration um, into the country uh, with around 100 people a day coming through Dover. So they decided to have a protest at Dover. Um, the protest was peaceful, although it did block the highway, and that, that was rather its point. Um, and uh, it's very interesting to see how the police reacted at Dover. Quite disturbing that that's that was a, 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 a military veteran known as the little veteran uh, who was peacefully protesting and uh, talking to someone there uh, grabbed by the police in a, in a manner that was quite feral there was something animalistic about that something predatory uh, so they were obviously after him personally just as they're after Piers Corbyn personally so they're targeting people who are rallying points people who are getting known and they're going to make sure that they, those people are destroyed. Uh, that's a tactic. It's obviously come from on high. That's what they're doing. Yeah, David, what we're seeing, I think, with the police is, is clearly that they've been mentally reframed. These are people that have basically been desensitised, so they regard uh, target uh, individuals within the public as just that, a target. They're no longer... A human being. This is very, very dangerous applied psychology of the police. And I'm going to say we first started to be warned of this about 15 years ago when people were describing what had happened, personality changes to their husbands, as reported to us. It was ladies reporting their husbands who were police officers, their personality had changed as a result of diversity training. And in a minute, we're going to cover more on this. So these policemen are different. They're not thinking like normal human beings because they've been desensitised. That's where the aggression comes from. Uh, and David, well, this, this particular tweet then echoes uh, the video clip that we showed earlier with respect to the, the London protest and the difference in policing between the anti-lockdown protest and the Black Lives Matter protest. Yes, this is a former police officer, George Elvidge, uh, tweeting here. said, I can remember when I was proud to say I had served as a police officer. Now I'm starting to feel like it's something I should keep to myself and try to forget. And he, he illustrates this with two photographs. One of the little veteran uh, scarred and bruised, having been beaten up by the police and arrested while he was peacefully protesting. And another of a police officer on his knees in front of the BLM crowd. And uh, the obvious uh, political nature of this is uh, a matter of clear shame to Mr. Elvidge and uh, indeed to um, all right thinking people in this country. And uh, David, I, I've just got to cut in there because that, those two images also reinforce this reframing. On the left, they've brought down the little veteran 
because he was the target and they do that with brutality because they've been desensitized they've been reframed and desensitized the reason the two police are on their bended knee is because they've been reframed in order to believe in the black lives matter agenda so this is applied psychology and as i say we're going to show a bit more on where this is coming from uh, and david how did the mainstream media uh, cover this protest then uh well we, i'd like to look at this in, in detail in extra time this is the guardian uh port of dover brought to standstill by far right groups so they're playing the same old game of uh, trying to um tar anyone they don't agree with as far right um they say Merchant, also known as the little veteran and an increasingly prominent far-right figure attacking asylum seekers crossing uh, crossing the Chanvai boat had a, had accomplished his aim of shutting down uh, entry into Europe's busiest ferry port. Now, they're, so they're trying to they're trying to smear the little veteran as being far-right. So we'll talk more about that later. I would just say at this point that this is a lie. Um, that what he's talking about is um, is having the laws of this country actually upheld and uh, to protect our borders um, from people coming in who who are quite possibly hostile to the, the the native people of this country in other words to defend the nation which is after all as a veteran something that he has been sworn to do okay thank you for that well let's have a look um we're with uk column certainly not alone in reporting the use of the, of the government's use of applied psychology so this is the express headline from sunday just gone civil servants wasting taxpayer cash being quote brainwashed with unconscious bias training concerns have been raised that thousands of civil servants are being brainwashed with the introduction of so-called unconscious bias training in government departments and what i was looking at this article on the screen just to show you the contrast we're worried about civil servants being brainwashed. This is what the BBC was worried about. Prince William's heartbreak. Well, we'll ditch that for the moment. Let's have a look at the important issues. Civil servants being brainwashed. The purpose of the controversial courses is to teach individuals that they're actually biased, either racially, sexually, or in another form, and telling them how to change their behavior. The emergence of the courses followed a drop in responses to public attitude surveys to people giving conscious bias views. That was a very interesting point in the article that this has all come about because we, the general public, are clearly not convinced at the propaganda. According to written answers to Conservative MP Neil O'Brien, 4,615 Cabinet Office Mandarins have received the training over the last five years. So is it any wonder why we've got such a pro-Black Lives Matter policy coming from the civil service? And a further 975 uh, received the training since uh, 2018 in the Health and Social Care Department, while over the last five years, a stunning 33,165 civil servants have been on unconscious bias courses in the Home Office. And this is mental reframing. David, just give you a quick response to that because we're pointing out this is going on with the police, but this is a massive program to change the way people think. And I think we're now getting to the heart of it. This is another example of the common purpose type effect where we're reframing how people think, we're changing their attitudes, and we're making it quite clear that if they want a career, they better comply. Uh, just before you go on, Brian, I just should mention, of course, it was only, what was it, about a month ago or so, Keir Starmer announced that the entire Labour Party, the entire parliamentary Labour Party is going to go through this training as well. Correct, because this is how you change the way people think and therefore the way they behave. So we're controlling how people think and we can control their behaviour. Now, in the Express article, it talked about this consultancy it did not say that this was the consultancy providing that training to the 33,000 civil servant but it mentions this particular consultancy and it uses some of their quotes so what what are we talking about here well unconscious or unintentional bias is widespread in the workplace and usually unrecognized according to this uh, consultancy it's often based on outdated and irrational assumptions about the roles of BAME people, people with disabilities, men and women, 
people's ages, sexuality, religion, belief at work. It may manifest itself in language, behavior, decisions that inhibit recruitment and progression of skilled individuals. It usually means businesses are not acting in their own best interests by failing to make the most of all available talent. Everyone has biases. So um, we all suffer from this. Well, who says so? Well, in the case of this company, it's this lady. She's the director, Alison Malik, uh, and uh, she's got a background in teaching and management. Uh, but she seems to have been advising everybody, a huge uh, number of clients. Encourage you to go to the website and look. But this caught my eye because they actually have a statement supporting Black Lives Matter. Equality and Diversity UK Limited stands with the loved ones of George Floyd, the black community, our staff and supporters and the protesters who continue to fight for justice and equality across the country. It is our all of our responsibilities speak out publicly against racism, systemic injustice and police brutality and to elevate voices and amplify stories of people of colour within our communities. So I had a few questions, which I don't know from reading this, but does Miss Malik support Black Lives Matter protesters who are violent and burn down buildings? Are they included? Well, we don't know. Is she herself biased to support Black Lives Matter protests just because of their label? Does she teach others to support them at any cost? And this is the problem. We've no idea what this lady's values really are and what she can put in the heads of other people. But these are some of the areas that they cover. And there's everything, sexual orientation, equalities, religion, gender, age, human resource management, mentoring. They can improve everything. They've got a training for philosophy. And if you read through this, this is the one which I think is the most dangerous because they're saying, oh, we use a carrot, not a stick. We're challenging attitudes towards diversity and equality without being confrontational so that participants question their own beliefs, assumptions and behavior. And this is the danger because it sounds reasonable, but what you're actually doing is starting to attack the person, the person and their own personality and they're reframing it and rebuilding it as they think fit. And if you're going to get involved with this, well, it's no small sum because here's the charge, £795 for a full day. So how much was spent on the 33000 uh, But this is the man who deserves some praise because it's Andrew Bridgen MP, and he's the man getting upset about this and speaking out. And he says this is just brainwashing people, telling them they have an ism, whether it's racism, misogynism, misogynism or something else when they haven't it is all about entrenching certain attitudes and preparing people for so-called positive discrimination which of course in itself is discrimination so this man right on the button and uh, the article ends by saying that mr o'brien's questions have come as mps have also been asked to take part on similar courses in the wake of the black lives matter for all so here we see the training and thank you for one of our viewers who pointed out this letter in a Daily Mail article from a few days ago, because uh, what we've got was Alex Chisholm, the civil service chief operating officer, and Sir Mark Sedwell, your friend, Mike, uh, cabinet secretary. We've seen a reduced level of social interaction amongst our colleagues with the loss of some of the spontaneous interaction and cross-fertilisation between teams that drives innovation and sustained common purpose. So this is the common purpose unleashed by Tony Blair to reframe people. They worked out of the office of the Deputy Prime Minister with John Prescott, but surprisingly the whole system was taken over seamlessly by David Cameron. And if you want to read more, UK column website, and there's the article from Magic to Madness, the government's NLP assault on our mind. Unbelievably dangerous, David, that it's not just the police being targeted, but it's being targeted across the whole of the civil service and now MPs as well. Uh, £795 a day times 33,000 is 2.6 million. Um, so, sorry, no, 26 million, beg your pardon, 26 million. So the woman who's supporting BLM, who are anti-capitalist, uh, is she is she keeping some of this money is she being capitalist about this I well david david just to make it clear the article does not say that that company provided all the training 
it only quotes them as an example of the type of training yes but there's still there's still serious money you know that's if it's 26 million it'll be more than that so you'll you'll be up when you when you add in all the politicians and the senior people and the, and the diversity training and the mod and everything else that's happening you're into a 50 to 100 million pound industry there will be a set number of players in that and they will they will be doing nicely um as they trumpet their anti-capitalist blm affiliations i'm just commenting on the hypocrisy of it all i totally agree with that um okay now let's uh, bring juliet harkin on screen now of course juliet harkin not does no uh, no longer works for bbc media action she went off and did a postgraduate degree uh, but uh, this is what she had to say a number of years ago. Uh, we, BBC Media Action, worked in 2004 with individuals within the Syrian ministry who wanted change and tried to get them to be drivers of that. So this is a, a charity which is run by the BBC, uh, shares a pension pot with the BBC, but is apparently completely independent of the BBC. Brian, isn't that right? Well, that's what they say. That's what they say. They're very, very in bed, but separate. Absolutely. But they, they were working in Syria in 2004 uh, to encourage people that want to change uh, and uh, get them to be drivers of that change. Uh, she went on to say this, all media development work that has been done in Syria has, in my opinion, been predicated upon this idea that there can be change from within. Uh, and she said, uh, you have an authoritarian regime and you find who the reformers are within that and you work with them. So this is uh, BBC Media Action. Now, BBC Media Action heavily funded, separately, completely separately from the 3.8 or whatever it is, or 4.2 billion pounds that the BBC receives uh, by the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. So let's just have a look at uh, FCO spending, over 25,000 pounds for April 2020. These are the most recent figures. Uh, and we can see BBC Media Action on there. Uh, and we can see them further on down this spreadsheet and again further on down this spreadsheet and another pot of money further on down this spreadsheet. So in one month uh, they received £443,364 from the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. And if you're, you know, pushing forward for regime change in other countries, you could see that that's from the Foreign Office's point of view, perhaps money well spent. Uh, I may disagree with the way that that money's been spent and disagree with the entire thing. Now, why am I mentioning this now? Well, you'll be glad to know that the UK has announced that it's doubling its support to independent media, human rights organisations and community groups in Belarus. Uh, and here is uh, uh, the lovely Wendy Morton, who's the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office Minister, uh, saying the UK stands in solidarity with the Belarusian people who have made clear their desire to live in a democratic and fair society. I'm not entirely clear that they have made that clear, but this is what she says anyway. Uh, the uh, government says that they've been unequivocal in their condemnation of the attacks on media freedom by the Belarusian authorities since the fraudulent presidential elections. Uh, they're claiming they're fraudulent. I'm not sure what evidence they have for that. They certainly don't present any evidence. Of course, evidence is rarely required these days. Uh, including the targeting, harassment and detention of journalists and restrictions on internet access. Uh, this additional funding will help to support independent media and those defending human rights in Belarus at a time when objective and honest reporting is most vital. Um, so that uh, new funding is going to help uh, counter gender-based violence, uh, support human rights defenders and ensure a thriving and independent media environment which is the bedrock of a stable, successful democracy and a powerful tool in countering disinformation and malign narratives. Does, uh, does that make you both feel uh, warm and cuddly inside? No. No, right, okay. It goes on to say the UK's financial support to Belarus over the last year has provided assistance to independent media on business management and financial planning, supported local journalist communities and supported work with the UN to counter domestic abuse by setting up victims hotline for women and children so uh, so there you go david uh, we're not uh, we're not working towards regime change at all we're merely looking about uh, looking at helping with domestic violence uh, and uh, making sure that they the belarusian people get access to a burgeoning media a free media very much like our own free media uh, which is the basis of our own wonderful democracy and something that we should be exporting to other places do you think the people in the Belarus are wondering what second prize is and could they have that instead? 
Well, I think that the second prize is going to be liberty, as we just uh, described on UK Column News, where the police step in and arrest 73-year-olds if they disagree with the government. So, uh, you know, if uh, Belarus thinks it's going to get freedom out of this, I think something rather different is coming. No, it's regime regime change coming, and uh, I would imagine, I don't know yet, but I would imagine the BBC Media Action will have a role to play in that. Uh, now, David, uh, coming back to Peter Hitchens, uh, distilling power out of fear, how to do it, is what he tweeted out. Yes, and uh, this is something we covered back in May, um, and uh, it's a quote from um, the, the, the SAGE um, meetings, uh, where the, the recommendation was a substantial number of people do not feel sufficiently personally threatened. The perceived level of personal threat needs to be increased amongst those who are complacent using hard-hitting emotional med uh, messaging. So uh, thank thanks to Peter Hitchens for, for uh, echoing what we're saying there. This is a vitally important thing to understand that your government is lying to you. Uh, they are trying to manipulate you by making you fearful so that you will comply. And it is policy because we have the minutes. Uh, absolutely. And of course, Peter Hitchens getting it. We've said that a few times today, but also some cartoonists. Yes, here's uh, some cartoons on the subject of masking. Here we see the mask being put on the jackboot in the back of the head. Uh, that seems to be exactly what's going on. And we have a second one here where we have um, a masked individual uh, noted as a brainwashed face diaper puppet. And he's being controlled by the World Health Organization, government globalists and the 1%. And I thought that was rather spot on too. Yeah, absolutely. So where does that take us? The United Nations? Well, yes, we've got a bizarre moment from of, of strangeness from the UN. So they're, they're tweeting out here, COVID-19 pandemic is demonstrating that what we all know, and what do we all know? Well, according to the UN, we all know that we've had millennia of patriarchy, which, is, which has resulted in a male-dominated world uh, with a male-dominated culture, which damages everyone uh, women, men, girls and boys. And they, they're tweeting out it's time to rebuild more equal, inclusive and resilient society. So we're going to have, we're going to change society. And apparently it's all the fault of men, but it's men suffer, even though it's the fault of men. It's a completely incoherent uh, and bizarre. This is this is from the extreme crazy left of uh, feminism a few years ago. It's now mainstream. It's the common purpose effect with the Triffid like or not weed like effect of people um, coming into organizations, taking them over from the inside, and then coming away with this strange philosophy. Uh, one of the things that you can't have on in, in this in this world is any male leadership. And I would put it to you that one of the things we're most lacking is men actually standing up and being men and uh, shouldering their responsibilities. Yeah, that was, of course, United Nations reframing uh, language in that uh, one. I've got one to follow it. Um, it's amazing how these things come together. This was sent to me this morning while we were putting the news together. So there's the, the uh, image with a woman cowering in the background and a man standing in front of, front of her. Imagine a man who forced his wife to stay away from her friend's family and job. Imagine he also told her she should not leave the house unless absolutely necessary and to cover her face and avoid people if she does go out. Imagine he threatened her with punishment if she didn't submit. Would you call this abusive? Uh, it does not stop being abuse when the government does it. And I just thought this was a brilliant cartoon. And what, what are we showing here? The common sense over social media with humour, often black humour, is starting to unravel this dangerous agenda. So we are paying attention to people who say, lift us up a bit because pushing this information around and making fun of it where appropriate helps. Now, I hope this one is gonna to work to end on, but somebody sent me this uh, tweet. Um, so here we are, we've got a couple of um, police ladies on police horses walking along the street. And I've captioned it, we should always pay attention to the instinct of animals. Uh, let's see what actually happens. Hopefully this will run. Well, we've got them approaching a uh, rainbow crossing. And uh, for those who are listening, the horses clearly don't want to go across the rainbow crossing. 
no, they're not going to go. So we bring our horse onto the pavement. I'm sure that's a breach of the traffic act, but there we go. And as you can see, those are two extremely, extremely scared horses and uh, bystanders watching with some amusement. Now let's analyze this. We should always pay attention to the instinct of animals. Why? Uh, well, because clearly the horses could see into the LGBT abyss there. And uh, what am I getting at? Well, of course, we've said it many times. If you're gay and you think that the government is supporting gay people, then you need to think again because the gay agenda is being tolerated as one step towards transhumanism. And that transhumanism will destroy us all, no matter what orientation we've got. But remarkable that the horses could see it, but the two police ladies clearly couldn't. Closing thoughts, David. I thought that was a remarkable little piece of video. And yes, what were the horses seeing? I wish I knew. Yes, presumably they were watching something dark. OK, well, thank you all very much for joining us. I just wanted to say a couple of you have asked about an update on David Noakes and Lynn Thayer. Uh, we will get that for you. We're working on that. And I just want to say a couple of people defending NLP. Uh, the big point is the NLP is being used for very, very dangerous political purposes. And that's what we need to focus on. We don't need to be defending NLP. What we're doing is exposing the dangers of the malevolent use of it. And uh, things must be getting better because the quality of those uh, tweets is improving, Mike. Mm, absolutely. We'll leave it there. David, thanks for joining us. We'll be back at the same time on Wednesday. Bye-bye.